Chapter Forty Eight of No Quarter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. No Quarter by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter Forty Eight between two prisons in parliamentary war times english roads were very different from what they are of to-day those of the shires bordering wales were no better than bridle paths generally following the routes of ancient british trackways regardless of ups and downs travel over them was chiefly in the saddle or afoot traffic by pack-horse wheels rarely making mark on them save when some grand swell of the period transported his family from town to country house then it was a ponderous coach of the chariot order swung on leathern springs such as the gossipy peps and sir charles grandison used to ride in calling for at least four horses with a retinue of attendants these last armed with sword and pistol for protection against robbers but also pioneer fashion carrying spade and axe to fill up ruts patch broken bridges and cut down obstructing trees where the roots ran over hills the causeway sunk below the level of the adjacent land was more like the bed of a dry watercourse than a highway of travel this due to the wear of hoof and washing away by rains there was no macadam then to keep the surface to its normal height by a compensating stratum of stone and in many places the tallest horseman on the back of a sixteen-hands horse would see a cliff on either side of him its crest barely touchable with the stock of his whip often half a mile or more of this ravine-like road would be encountered so narrow that vehicles meeting upon it could not by any possibility pass each other one of them must needs back again perhaps hundreds of yards to avoid such contretemps the husbandman who had occasion to carry corn to the mill or produce to the market town in his huge lumbering wain was compelled by law to announce its approach by a jangle of big bells or the blowing of a horn yet over these ancient highways many of them still in existence the roman legionaries of astorius scapula had borne their victorious eagles and along them many a silurian warrior standing erect in his scythe-winged chariot was carried to conquest or defeat at a later period had they echoed the tramp of armed men when henry the fourth father of 
Egincourt's hero, made war upon the Welsh. Later still, twice again, in the days of the gallant Llewellyn and those of the bold Glendower, and still farther down the stream of time, were they stained with blood as a brother shed by brother, when England's people, those of Wales as well, King Mad and King Cursed, took a fancy or frenzy to cut one another's throats about the color of a rose. And now, on these same roads, two centuries later, they were again engaged in a fratricidal strife, though not as before with both sides infatuated through kingcraft. One was fighting for a better cause, the best of all, the people's freedom. The first time they had struck below for this for themselves, their stand for Magna Carta, so much wanted, being a mere settling of disputes between barons and king, no quarrel of theirs, nor its results, much gain to them. Neither would it be far from the truth to say it was the last time for them to draw sword on the side of human liberty. Indeed, difficult to point out any war in which Great Britain has been engaged, since not undertaken for the propping up of vile despotisms or for selfish purposes equally vile, to the very latest of them, Zululand and Afghanistan fidelicit. But the rebellion against Charles Stuart had a far different aim, all who upheld it being actuated by higher and nobler motives. And, though the war was internecine, it need never be regretted, for on the part of England's people it brought out many a display of courage, devotion to virtue, and other good qualities of which any people might be proud. Nor was it all fruitless, though seeming so. From it we inherit such fragment of liberty as is left us, and to it all such aspirations turn. Not all stifled by the corruption, which came immediately after under the rule of the merry monarch nor yet by what followed further on during the foul reign of europe's first gentleman and let us hope still to survive through one foreshadowing nay already showing corruption greater as either though in the parliamentary wars no great battle occurred in the counties of Monmouth or Hereford. In both there was much partisan strife, at first chiefly along their eastern borders. Their interior districts, save during the Earl of Stamford's brief occupation and Waller's sweeping raid, had been hitherto in the hands of the royalists, and no traveller thought of venturing on their roads who was not prepared upon challenge to cry for the king two routes were especially frequented by warlike men 
than peaceful wayfarers one of them ran due north and south between their respective capitals the other passed through the same but with a bow-like bend eastward keeping to the valley of the wye and about midway communicating with the town of ross between them lay a wild-wooded district of country the ancient kingdom of urken to this day known as the hundred of arkenfield through this was a third road leading from goodrich castle northwest which on the shoulder of a high hill aconbury some six miles south of herbert met the more direct route from monmouth the two thence continuing the same to the former city on the morning of the capture of monmouth at the earliest hour of dawn a cavalcade was seen issuing from the gates of goodrich castle and turning along this road in the direction of hereford it numbered nigh an hundred files riding by twos a formation which the narrow trackway rendered compulsory most of the men comprising it carried the lance a favorite weapon with colonel sir henry lingon its commanding officer but some twenty were without arms of any kind though on horseback the prisoners of whom carl had spoken as likely to be transferred from goodrich to the capital the information accidentally received by him was correct they were now in transit between the two places escorted by nearly all the castle's garrison lingon himself at the head had he known of monmouth being in the hands of the enemy he would not have been thus moving away from his stronghold but by some mischance the messenger sent to apprise him of the disaster did not reach goodrich till after his departure for hereford nor was his errand to the latter place solely to see his prisoners safely lodged he had other business there with its governor sir barnabas scudamore hence his going along with them for taking such a large retinue there was the same reason sir barnabas contemplated an attack on brampton bryan castle so heroically defended by lady brilliana harley who had long and repeatedly foiled his attempts to take it the high sheriff of hereford county for such was lincoln took delight in the grand cavalier accompaniment many of his followers belonging to the best families of the shire and along the route they were all jollity talking loud and laughing at each chaise d'esprit which chanced to be sprung just come from hard blows at beechley and crowded quarters at monmouth they were on the way to a city of more pretension and promising sweeter delights hereford was at the time a centre of distinction full of gentry from the surrounding shires above all 
abounding in the feminine element with many faces reputed fair lingus callants meant to have a carousel in the city in the capital city and knew they would there find the ways and means with willing hosts to entertain them different the thoughts of those whom they were conducting thither as captives no such prospects to cheer or enliven them but the reverse as their experience of prison life had already taught them most of all was eustace trevor dejected for he was among them it had been a trying week for the ex-gentleman usher captured wounded by good fortune but slightly transported from prison to prison taunted as a rebel and treated as a felon he was even more mortified than sad enraged also to the end of his wits he the proud son of sir william trevor to be thus submitted to ignominy and insult he to whom at whitewall palace the two short years before earls and dukes had shown subservience believing him the favorite of a queen harrowing the reflections and bitter the chagrin he was now enduring though the queen had naught to do with them all centred on a simple girl in whose eyes he had hoped to appear a hero instead he had proved himself an imbecile been caught as in a trap what would she vaga powell think of him now oft since his capture he had anathematized his ill fate oft lamented it and never more chafed at it than on this morning while being marched toward hersford while at monmouth he had entertained a hope of getting rescued a rumor of the affair at beechley had penetrated his prison and he knew massey had been long contemplating an expedition across the forest and over the wye but hereford was in the heart of the enemy's country a very centre of royalist strength and rule not much chance of his being delivered there instead every mile nearer to it the likelier his captivity to be of long continuance hope had all but forsaken him yet in this his darkest hour of despondence a ray of it scintillated through his mind once more inspiring him with thoughts of escape for something like a possibility had presented itself in the shape of a horse his own the same animal he bestrode in his combat with sir richard walwyn and that had shown such spirit after a journey of nigh fifty miles many a fifty miles it had borne him since carried him safe through many a hostile encounter he was not riding it now alas but astride the sorriest of nags saladin the name of the tired and trusty deed had been taken from him at 
Polymede and become the property of a common soldier, one of those who had assisted in his capture, the same now having him in especial charge, for each of the prisoners was guarded by one of the escort riding along. It was by a mere accidental coincidence that the late and present owners of Saladin were thus brought into juxtaposition, and at first the former only thought of its singularity, with some vexation at having been deprived of his favorite charger, which he was not likely to recover again. By and by, however, the circumstance became suggestive. He knew the mettle of the horse, no man better. Perhaps had Sir Harry Lingon or any of its officers known it as well, a common trooper would not have been bestriding it. But as yet the animal's merits remained undiscovered by them, none supposing that in heels it could distance all in their cavalcade and in bottom run them dead down on this and things collateral had eustace trevor commenced reflecting hence his new-sprung hope wounded with his arm in a sling he was not bound such precautions seemed superfluous besides badly mounted as he was any attempt at flight would have been absurd and could but end in his being almost instantly retaken so no one thought of his making it save himself but he did had been cogitating upon it all along the way if i could but get on saladin's back was his mental soliloquy i'd risk it three lengths of start a one and they might whistle after me their firelocks and lances all slung pistols in the holsters buckled up none dreaming of oh were i but in that saddle it was his own saddle to which he referred now between the legs of the trooper who had appropriated it also every now and then his eyes were turned towards the horse in keen covetous look which the man at length observing said maybe you'd like to get him back master captain he be precious good stuff and i don't wonder if you would do you wish it it was just the question saladin's say devant owner desired to be asked and he was on the eve of answering impressively very much a reflection restraining him he replied in a careless indifferent way well i shouldn't mind if you care to part with him that would depend on what you'd be willing to give how much this was a puzzler what had he to give nothing at his capture they had stripped him clean rifled his pockets torn from his hat the jeweled clasp and egret's plume that trophy of sweet remembrance ever since 
in Monmouth jail they had made free with certain articles of his attire, so that he was not only unarmed and purseless, but rather shabbily dressed, anything but able to make purchase of a horse, however moderate the price. Would the man take a promise of payment at some future time, his word for it? The proposal was made, a tempting sum offered to be handed over soon, as would-be purchaser could have the money sent him by his friends, but rejected. That's no dependence, and a fig for your friends, was the coarse response of the skeptical trooper. If you can't show me no better surety for payin', I hold on to the horse, and you mon go without it. Besides, Master Captain, what use the animal to you inside a prison where you're like to be shut up lord knows how long ah true returned the young officer with a sigh and look of apparent resignation still corporal the man had a chevron on his sleeve it's killin' work to ride such a brute as this if only for the rest of the way to hereford I'd give you something to exchange saddles with you. If you had it to give, I dare say you would, rejoined the corporal with a satirical grin, as he ran his eye over the bare habiliments of his prisoner. But as you ha'n't, what be the use palaverin' about it, till you can show better reason for my accommodating you? We'll both stick the saddles we be in this seemed to clinch the question and for a time eustace trevor was silent being foiled but before going much farther a remembrance came to his aid which promised him a better mount than the rosinant he was riding in short saladin's self the wound he had received was a lance thrust in the left wrist only a prick but when done deluging the hand in blood this running down his fingers had almost glued them together and the kerchief hastily wrapped round had stayed there ever since concealing a ring which seen by any of the cavalier soldiers would have been quickly cribbed none had seen it he himself having almost forgotten the thing till now with sharpened wits he recalled its being there knew it to be worth the accommodation denied him and likely to obtain it well corporal he said returning to the subject i should have liked to ride on the horse if only for old times sake and the little chance of my ever getting one again but i'd be sorry to have you exchange without some compensation still i fancy i can give you that without drawing upon time the trooper pricked up his ears now listening with interest he was not inexorable would have been willing enough to make the temporary swap only wanted a quid pro quo what do you say to this continued the young officer 
He had slipped his right hand inside the sling and drawn forth the golden circlet, which he held out while speaking. It was a jeweled ring, the gems in cluster bedimmed with the blood that had dried and become encrusted upon them, but they sparkled enough to show it valuable, worth far more than what it was being offered for and there was a responsive sparkle in the eyes of him who bestrode saladin as he hastened to say that'll do bargain be it End of chapter forty eight